Welcome to Success the Last, a podcast that honestly explores the complicated topic of success. I'm your host, Jared Siegel. I'm a partner at DeLap and leader of our wealth advisory practice. During each episode, we're going to talk to a business owner, entrepreneur, real estate investor, or industry thought leader about their own experiences, insights, and observations as it pertains to life, business, finances, and ultimately fulfillment. Candidly, it can be lonely at the top. Our desire is to use this podcast to connect you with the ideas and resources so you can be better equipped to make more predictable, profitable, and rewarding decisions as you juggle the competing priorities of life, business, and money. Keep in mind, this is a podcast. It's not meant to be a replacement for your CPA or financial advisor, so be sure to check with the appropriate professionals before implementing any of the ideas. Muhammad Ali once said, often it isn't the mountains ahead of us that wear us out. It's the little pebble in our shoes. The first time I heard this quote, it reminded me about the importance of perspective. It also made me realize that something small in my life today, if ignored, if unaddressed, had the power to potentially derail my long-term hopes or dreams. What's unique or tricky about that is sometimes that metaphorical pebble in your shoe the weakness is actually too much of one of your strengths. It's your commitment to a long-term goal. It's your laser focus. It's your competitive spirit. That's often how our weaknesses work. It's actually too much or misapplied strength. It's when we combine a high level of clarity, perspective, and self-awareness that we have the opportunity to be a truly high-impact leader. These leaders create a visionary future that is rooted in truth and clarity about where they want to go. They're able to create a plan that moves ideas to action, all the while effectively managing the finite resource of time. They know that every yes that they vocalize, they're functionally saying no to something else. They know that there is no such thing as an innocent yes. So the question is, where do you want to go? Put a different way, the question could look like, how do you define success? Well, Warren Buffett was once asked that question, and he said, basically, when you get to my age, You'll really measure success in life by how many people you want to have love you actually do love you. It's in that spirit that I'm so excited for today's conversation with Ken Weigel. Ken is a facilitator who takes organizations and individuals through a discovery process that precedes a planning process that starts with perspective. I personally have gone through a two-day facilitated process with Ken and my wife a few years ago that rendered some incredible benefits to me personally and professionally. I've been looking forward to the opportunity to share some of Ken's experiences and insights with you. So without further ado, let's jump into today's conversation with Ken Weigel. Ken Weigel, we're live. Welcome to Success at Last. I've been really looking forward to our conversation today. I was kind of thinking earlier, just kind of reflecting upon the year 2020 and the last couple of years, and I I actually haven't told you this, so I'm gonna do it in front of our entire community today. If I were to think of somebody in my life over the last several years that's been one of the most influential people, it's you, my friend. So excited to get you on the show today so that uh, you're kind of like the Wizard of Oz. All of a sudden, my <laughs> team and my clients are going to be like, ooh, that's where that guy's been stealing all those ideas. So you're like the Wizard of Oz. We're going to set expectations high today. Well, I appreciate, really appreciate that introduction. I'm not sure if you actually read the book. He does not turn out to be that big of a character but I hope that I can exceed the expectations. So yeah, thanks for having me. 
the Wizard of Oz before you look behind the curtain when he's like okay, cool, okay. cool and big and intimidating. So, hey, That's so to we're going we're gonna to go kind of wade into the deep waters today and talk about some kind of the existential categories of, of life. But yeah. several years ago, I got to a spot in my life where I was just looking for clarity. I, I wanted to better understand all the different things that were in front of me, all the decisions that I had. I lacked clarity and I was looking for a process to gain clarity. Actually, a client called and he had just had a successful exit. And he talked to me about this process that he'd went through with you. And he said it was one of the most important processes that he had gone through as he was going through this transition of what do I do after, after selling this business? I've grown this business, prepared it yeah. for sale and sold it. And so now I've, I have to rediscover a purpose, passion, and identity after this exit that provoked me to pick up the phone and call you and schedule. And so yeah. a couple of years ago, you and I went through this facilitated strategic kind of life planning process and actually invited my wife into to this two-day experience and it's been transformative. So I just wanted to, mm. to take our listeners today through the, a bit of the process so they can better understand this thing that's been so positive in my life. Oh, well, I appreciate that. That is, I mean, Anytime somebody trusts me to be able to come in for two days and just spend that time with them, it's an honor. And it was a lot of fun to be able to do that with you and your wife and, and just be able to kind of see the things that come out of that time together. The process is actually called, it's the Patterson Life Plan. So Patterson, named after Tom Patterson, is the, this is one of these brilliant minds around process and one of these just brilliant guys around how things all kind of come together. And through his years you know, was one of those contemporaries with Drucker, worked on, you know, worked, was got commissioned by Reagan to work in China back in the 80s. And he developed these really robust tools around how businesses can gain strategy and clarity and all these things. But one of the kind of apexes of his careers is as he was working with all these CEOs on their businesses, people began to ask him like, man, it's great that my organization has this type of clarity, but I wish I had that for my life. And so he developed what's called the the Patterson life plan process specifically to walk leaders and other folks through this two-day experience that really helps them go through this process that answers a lot of those questions that takes people kind of from a lot of different vantage points. You know, sometimes it is just like that where somebody just sold their company and they're going, man, what is next for me? Or they're just about to retire or they're, they're looking, they're going, man, I got 10 or 20 more good years. And so they have these questions that they're asking. And so the Patterson process came around specifically designed to walk people through this in the course of this like facilitated two-day discussion. And it's a lot of charts and it's a lot of time together, but it's it's been really fun to take people through that and allow them to be able to come to some of those moments of clarity along the way. So it's it's cool to know that because of that, I'm now I'm now the wizard of Oz in your life. That's the wizard that's great. of Oz. That's great yeah. to know. Yeah. Maybe I'm the tin man, the lion, yes. who knows? Yeah. Well, Ken, here's a, an interesting thing. So I, I went through this process and I was super excited. It was clarifying and energizing and unifying for my wife and I. But then I started to talk about it. And one of the things that, that I observed is there seems to be a general resistance to this topic of like planning one's life. So the phrase life planning is somewhat negative. There's a connotation that people seem to kind of be turned off by it at first. Have you observed that? Like, what is it about life planning that's somewhat challenging for people to really understand what it means? And what's the difference between a facilitated process versus a prescribed process? 
Yeah, great question. I mean, honestly, I there's times where I don't like the name. I think life plan, especially, I mean, even for myself, I was kind of like, I'm a grown man. I know what I'm doing. I don't need someone else to tell me the plan for my life. That felt kind of awkward at first, but I use the term life plan because that's what that's what Tom Patterson used. And so I do it out of endearment. At the end of the day, it's really not that idea of somebody sitting down and telling you what to do for your life. And in fact, I think that the resistance comes becoming, while I don't know a whole bunch of different life planning processes, I know a few of them. And, you know, some of them are probably great. I think one of the things that makes ours really unique is we put a tremendous amount of emphasis on perspective and looking back. And of the two days we spend together, almost a day and a half is spent just looking back. And that idea of taking that much perspective, which is is actually a principle that Tom Patterson gleaned from his time in China of just their culturally, their importance of really understanding where something's at, how it got there, how this came to be. We don't have that over here in the West. We often actually kind of think about this idea of like, what's the problem? What's the solution? And like, how fast can I get to a solving that and going on to the next thing? And, and that, that's one of the things that makes us as a country great, but it can also be times where, we, where we're making decisions without enough information. And so I think what ends up happening is the idea of a life plan for so many people means they have to stop doing what they're doing and looking back and they have to stop. And for a lot of us that are highly productive and, and running organizations or, or just doing very significant things, the idea of spending two days and talking about themselves and how they got there for so many people feels navel gazing or extravagant or just unnecessary. But what we've found is if you don't take the time to do that, to actually understand how did I get here? Like, how did I get to this place in my life? What's true about this particular moment in my life? Like what, and, and really just look at my life and how everything that's come up to this point, what we found is we just miss so much of what is going on in your life. What's up, how the things in your life have shaped you up until this point. And so for a lot of people, I think the idea of saying, I have a plan for your life that feels icky and I don't like it. The idea, though, of somebody going like, can we just stop for a moment? And before we put in a tremendous amount of energy into the next 10, 20, 30 years, that we actually just take a moment and pause and go, where are we at? And what I found over and over again is when we actually take that time to gain that perspective, where we're going is actually really clear. And that sounds kind of trite and it sounds kind of, oh, it just all magically works. But through this process, this amazing process that Tom developed, it just walks you through these, these charts that as you go through the entire thing, all of these things become clear. And all of a sudden, the idea of where you need to invest the next 5, 10, 20 years, it's crazy how much things come into perspective. And so if somebody was saying like, you know, you're just going to sit down and tell me what to do, that's really not what it is at all. It's much more that idea of a facilitated process with somebody else across the table. I mean, you mentioned the whole facilitated thing. You know, sometimes some life plans is basically like, write out what you want said about you at your funeral and then reverse engineer everything that's not true. That's fine. I mean, that's, that's better than no plan. But what happens when you have a facilitator is you have somebody without a vested interest that's watching you go through this thing that when we say, hey, how come, how come when you mentioned this things, I, I saw your eyes light up? And how come when we talked about this portion over here of your job, I could just see you kind of, there's something changed about you and just physically the way that you were talking. Having somebody in that moment that doesn't have any vested interest in the outcome that can help you walk through it. I know when I went through my life plan, it was invaluable to have a facilitator. And so 
just that person that's able to guide you through and somebody that's gone through dozens and dozens of these that have seen these that add something to it that I think is really difficult to replace in any other way. So I'm not even sure if that really answers your question, but it kind of gets at that idea of how I became the Wizard of Oz, basically. <laughs> Definitely need to update your LinkedIn profile. Yeah, done. That's actually a good point. I mean, I'm wired to produce. I like activity. I like outcomes. But sometimes I, I can mistake activity for achievement. So when I encountered this quote from Amos Traversky, he was the research partner with Daniel Kahneman, who pioneered a whole industry around economic and behavioral finance. And ultimately, their work resulted in a Nobel Prize. And so deep, deep thinkers, people that change the way that we think and understand the world today. But Amos Traversky once said, people waste years by not wasting a few hours. And as I kind of thought and reflected upon that, there's these moments that in unstructured time, that sometimes the ROI, the clarity, the breakthroughs that we can, we can achieve or experience are unlike anything that we could experience in more structured time. And so certainly I found adding the facilitator, normally you kind of wrestle with these questions in your own head. And so there's only a set number of questions that you've ever thought to ask yourself. And that was fascinating is to have you inserted into the conversation to ask me the question a way I'd never heard it or to observe an answer maybe and help me peel the onion to get past where I had previously kind of had a block mentally, intellectually, emotionally to kind of get past that. It was a, a rigorous process at the front end, but it was, it was fun to watch the clarity drop out of that process. So I guess for me, there's, there's that power and perspective that I think maybe not, isn't always fully understood. So when we go through a kind of financial planning process, we're working hard, again, not to prescribe outcomes as much as to facilitate a process because money matters, clearly, but it matters differently to different people. And so when we, we go through this process, we're trying to better understand how do you want money to show up across all the different categories of your life today, tomorrow, and more importantly, when you're not here? Because to some extent, that's really the expression of the decisions and activities that, that a financial plan is trying to capture. So a lot of the time, the financial part of the planning process is the easiest, but it's the existential components of really kind of what, what best explains kind of your purpose and what you're trying to accomplish and to what role does, does money function in that. And so that's where I'm excited to better understand the fusion of this existential planning clarity as well as advanced planning and financial planning. The new yeah, frontier. <laughs> totally. What I've found is that a lot of people like yourself, I'm going to guess this is going to apply to a number of folks that would listen to your podcast and be connected to your organization. They're blessed with this curse of being able to do a lot of things. And they actually might even have a list like a mile long of everything that they could do. And maybe even things that people want them to do. What often they don't have is some of those filters and some of that just self-awareness to know what are the things that I, I, like you might know what I could do, what are the things that I must do? What are those things that are so important that I'm going to get at the end of my life? I will have serious regret if I actually didn't invest in those areas. And in order to do that, one of the, one of the sayings that I think we use in, in the life plan process a lot is there's no such thing as an innocent yes. And so that means you have to say no to a lot of things in order to get to those musts in your life. And what I've found is a lot of people who are successful, 
they don't often are self-aware enough to be able to know what are the things I need to say no to? What are the things that I need to double down on? There's a lot of people that they were really successful in certain places in business. And so they go, I think I'm just good at business. And then we dive into it and they actually go, you know what? I'm an improver. I'm a really good improver. In fact, I might be one of the best improvers in the region that I, that I operate, but I'm not a starter or I'm not a, 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 you know, and fill in the blank. And so when, when we can get into the really specifics about who you are and how you're wired and the self-awareness that comes in it, it allows you to have such so much greater clarity to know what you need to say yes to, what you need to say no to, because ultimately, you know, I'll say it again, because I think it's really helpful. There, there's no such thing as an innocent yes. And so everything that you're saying no to, it allows you to have an opportunity to say yes to something bigger or greater that you're a part of. And I think having somebody to be able to kind of guide you through that process that, like I said, doesn't have a vested interest and, and wasn't along the way for your entire life, it allows them to just ask those questions that you might have never asked yourself of like, man, what was one of the greatest things that you accomplished while you were at XYZ? And what was one of the things you were the most just felt like just really named you in a really negative way at, at this particular place? And being able to dive into those things and look at it and say, what happened there? And what was going on in that moment? What do you think that that really revealed? And, and because so often we're just always looking for the next thing and what we can do, I've found when you go back through all those things, gain that perspective, get that clarity, it allows you whether or not it's decisions you're going to make about how you're going to invest or spend money, whether or not it's decisions about how you're going to spend or invest time, you have a clarity in you and, and others have that privilege of sometimes doing it with your partner on the couch with you and they get to kind of go along and just watch this process. And I often say that spouses kind of operate as a truth filter where as I'm asking like, how bad is this? And they go, that's not that bad. And I, I look at the spouse and they go, oh, it's, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty bad. You know, you have that privilege. It all of a sudden gives you and your partner this amazing common voice that gets to be used that says, we know what we're doing. We know where we're going and we know what we're, we know what we're about. And it's shaped by our values and it's shaped by the things that we really you know, the particular burden that we just have on our heart that we don't know why we have this particular, I mean, I am, I've done this now with more people than I can remember. And there's one of the steps we kind of walk through and we just go, what's the burden that all of a sudden, for some reason you just have on your heart about the world? What's the thing you care about? And I've never had any two people answer it the same, which is so amazing to just know that we're, that we're wired that way to have all these different things that we care about. But if you don't have that, like, defined and precise and written down in a way that you can kind of, you know, we put it up on this chart that's on the wall and all of a sudden we're like, yeah, like that's the burden that, that was put on my heart that I really care about in the world. You know, those are the kind of things that really allow to help have a North star start to emerge for a lot of people that up until that point, things just became either cloudy or foggy, or were just overwhelmed by a plethora of so many coulds that they couldn't figure out what the musts are. Or just for some people, they just got bored and they just kind of went, I did the thing I thought I always wanted to do and it didn't make me as happy as I thought it was going to. And what do I do now? Because retirement sounds kind of fun, but I need something to say that I'm about because I just don't think I'm supposed to be done yet. One of the decisions that my wife and I made after going through this process was just the goal of creating an experience with our kids that they would, would forever remember an experience that would show them a part of the world that they hadn't seen before. And so we went and spent some significant time in Italy and Spain together. And, and my kids still rave about it. And it's probably a memory and experience that we'll talk about for the rest of our time. 
But we're in Italy and there's sculptures everywhere, great art. I was just kind of thinking and listening to you talk. This process, again, is you've never really offered answers, but you've always kind of chiseled them out, right? You're kind of like a sculpture because the answers within us, it's just creating the, the perspective uh, for, those, for the clarity, I guess. And so there's a tool belt that I've, I've watched you and I've observed you use in the midst of these conversations. And they're, they're kind of perspective tools or clarity tools. And I personally have benefited from them. So I've attempted to share them with my team and with my clients, with my business partners. So I thought maybe we could spend a few minutes kind of just chatting through some of these, these tools that create clarity, that provide perspective and yeah. allow us to, to kind of live more aligned with how we aspire to live. Yeah, let's do it. So we work with business owners and real estate operators, and so they manage all kinds of complexity. So one of the tools that's really common is for them to have a, an operational dashboard. So it might be the key results areas that kind of precede the business outcomes that they're looking to accomplish. I think people would be really surprised to know that I have a dashboard for my life. Essentially, how yeah. am I doing? So I guess, talk to me about this crazy concept of having kind of a KPI dashboard for one's, for one's life. Yeah, it definitely doesn't sound that intuitive at the very beginning to think of a dashboard for your life. But Throughout the process, you know, as I've said, we're well over 20 charts as from this entire thing start to finish. And some of them we spend a couple hours on, others of them we spend half an hour on. But near the end of the process, after we've gotten a lot of the clarity and we really have a clear understanding of where we're going, we begin to put down this kind of future, like, what are we building? What are we going towards? What does that look like? What's We actually even build a purpose statement for each person and, and we outline their core talents. And so all of a sudden, we have these core talents written down and this purpose statement that really, I mean, I don't think I've seen as many grown men cry as when they see a purpose statement on the wall that captures who they were in college, who they were at their first job, who they are now, and who they want to be someday holding their grandkids and just go, that's who I am. And they're just looking at that purpose statement. And so when we get all that kind of written down and we write out kind of a, a 10-year word, where does it feel like we're being led? What would this kind of look like process? We begin to identify what are the things that we need to keep our eye on in order for those things, you know, it's kind of built in this, you know, idea that there's in the middle, it's this, here's where we're going. And then on the side, it's this idea of what are the driving factors that we need to be watching that if all of these things are healthy and optimized, we have a really good shot of hitting this plan. That's actually name one. For most people, we name about five of them. And we go through each one and we evaluate, where is that at right now? And from healthy to not healthy. And we rate it. We talk about its momentum right now and we give it a color and we put it on the chart. And we talk about how as these things all move towards healthy, the idea that the more that we, you know, the, it's, you know, the things that we measure are the things that improve. And so we're just going, man, what would it look like quarterly to just say, these are the things I need to keep my eye on the ball for? Because, you know, you said it earlier, oftentimes we confuse activity with productivity. And so when we keep our eye on the key factors that we're saying, man, we need, to be, we need to be looking at these things and we do those things together to be able to say, this is what really moves the needle. And those are all on the positive side. And then some people might find it uncomfortable. I've actually found it's one of the most helpful parts of the process, but we actually outline for each person, like their risks, like what are the things that just, you know, we all have them, you know, we all, some of our risks are we avoid difficult conversations. Some of our risks is we 
have a fear of disappointing people. Some of it we have a we have particular just you know negative thoughts or relationships or different things that are just it's just our risks. And as much as we don't like that they're there, for us to ignore them would actually just seem really irresponsible. And so we we outline those in a really respectful way, and we just say, man, what how are these doing right now? Are these kind of out of control? Do these feel good? And we just kind of identify where are those things at? And then we allow those to say, let's update these every quarter or sometime and be able to say, where are these at? Because if we don't, if we don't pay attention to our risks, just like if we don't pay attention to our productivity, it's going to rob us from getting where we want to get to. And so often I feel like a, a well-updated dashboard is one of the best ways where when somebody says, you know, a, a trusted friend, somebody that's in your kind of circle and they say, how, how are you doing right now? What, well, how are things for you? It's a great way to just be able to kind of show that and have some vulnerability and say, man, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, you know, this is my anger's flared up a little bit. So because of that, we're, you know, we're going to be doing these things on the side. I'm actually, I'm actually going to go to a counselor again and we're going to do some of those things. But it, that amount of self-awareness that comes from that, I have seen so many of the men and women that I've seen in life that I've respected were just very self-aware. And what I've found in this process is it leads to greater self-awareness and it gives you tools to allow that self-awareness to be disclosed in appropriate places for the appropriate people in your life. And it allows you to just kind of, to not just focus on the negative and not just focus on the positive, but to have a really health, healthy look at each. And I found for a lot of people, a dashboard like that is really helpful in terms of giving them something tangible to both look at, update, and be able to have as, as something that, that they regularly view throughout, throughout their year. Yeah, it's super helpful not something I would have thought of on my own. And what's been neat about having this tool is another one of the tools or exercises, disciplines that you introduced me to is a monthly audit. And so I block a couple of hours at the end of every month. And so my team sees this recurring monthly audit calendar appointment, which includes a review of my, my dashboard. It's a review of my life replenishment cycle. How did I do in terms of executing against the objectives that I had outlined personally and professionally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, across all the different accounts of my life. And that's yeah. been a, a real helpful cadence. Any specific thoughts in terms of like life replenishment? I mean, I, I think it's common for an entrepreneur to kind of get spread thin as they experience success, more opportunities come to them. It's difficult to kind of prune the calendar. You don't say no enough. Every yes is a no somewhere else. And, and that's typically for exercise or sleeping or staying healthy. And so it's kind of that old weird thing of self-care is not selfish. You can't give what you don't have. And yet so many of the leaders and clients that we work with, they're just kind of running on fumes. So I guess any, anything yeah. to add from a life replenishment perspective? I think it's one of the greatest lies that we're ever told is that that idea of to spend time really trying to, to work on yourself and to put in some self-care is selfish. And it's one of those things where the reason why I think that is absolutely falls flat is because what I've seen is when people don't invest in the life replenishment cycle, basically is this tool that we take people through where we identify at least one activity physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually for those who, who would identify as a person of faith in some way, in whatever tradition, to be able to go, what are something, what's at least one thing in each of those things? that just fills you up, that just fills up your domain that you just find, because a lot of us might have a lot of things that help us emotionally, but there's one thing in particular that just really does it or two things. And 
we go through and we identify what are those things that really fill you up in those areas. And for some people, it's like, man, if I can go for a run twice a week, or man, if I can eat vegan, or if I can get eight hours of sleep a night, or we identify those physical things, those emotional things. Sometimes it's date night. Sometimes it's, man, I need a trusted conversation with a friend. Sometimes it's just people need a walk in the woods, but man, if I could get that, you know, that would be great. And so we identify those things and then we go, great. How much of that would you need every day, week, month, year in order to really feel just really full? And they might be, I need two walks in the woods a month or, and I need a date night with, with my wife at least once a week, or we identify those. And then we go through and we go, how are you doing on that right now? So let's give ourselves a grade according to that. And then all of a sudden I see somebody and it's just, it's really bad, you know, in, in the Patterson process, when something's kind of wrong or not good, we use red as a color. And so it's just red all across the board. And whenever I see somebody whose life replenishment cycle is red across the board, it helps me just to kind of know we have not been investing in ourselves. And so what that means is it's almost like returning a rental car that's out of gas and tires are low and a cord of wood in the back where all of a sudden you're like, I don't know if this is good for anybody. But what we do is we kind of believe this lie that I don't have to invest in myself. And yet what we end up doing is we take that depleted version of ourselves into our family, into our work, into our community. And it's, we're not really giving them the best version of ourselves. And, and where this really proves out is when I did this with my wife, what I found was as we identified all these things, there were so many times where now that we identified them, my wife would go, I'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm, you know, I'd be stressed out and she'd hear me on the way home driving from someplace, you know, back from a trip and, and she could just tell I'm just depleted and, and I'm about to head home. And she's like, how about if you stop on your way home and do one of your life replenishment cycle things? And I'm like, yeah, but I'll be, I'll be home an hour later. And she's like, I'd rather have two hours with you in that headspace than three hours with you, not in that headspace. And I began to realize like the people around me know when I'm depleted, they know when I'm short tempered, they know when I'm quick to anger and I'm just about ready to lose it. So often we think I'm not doing this for them. And that is just an absolute lie because the reality is the people around you want you to be refreshed to where you're really like slow to get offended. And because you've had these, you've really spent some time in some of those areas and, and you have this really rampant curiosity because you've been feeding your intellectual side and physically you feel good and strong and healthy. And so all of a sudden, when you do that, you'll, you'll be so surprised to realize the people around you enjoy that version of you so much better because you're bringing the full version of you to the table. And I think it's such a, it's a, such a shame that we think we shouldn't invest in ourselves because we believe either it doesn't matter, or it's not important, or it won't show up on a P&L. And what I found is as I go through these things with people, I watch their spouse go, honey, please invest time in this. We need you to do it. And, and if you were to talk to their business partners, they would say, please do this. And so what we actually do is we do a block and tackle of a calendar and we go, man, where could we get this time and where could we do these things? Because what we actually have found is that there is time for a lot of these things, but it means we have to be really intentional with some of our other things. We have to say no. Like I said earlier, there's no such thing as an innocent yes. So, so we're saying no to other things, maybe like time in social media or time just in distraction mode. And we're investing in the things that actually replenish us because there's so many times that I'll actually say, oh, I'm just going to go sit in front of Netflix and just veg out for an hour. But what I actually really need is a trusted conversation with my mentor, or I need a trusted conversation with, with somebody that I really feel like cares about me because something big just happened and, and I want to process it with somebody or something. And so 
that self-awareness, those tools, that's just one of the charts. And, and you know, like I said, there's over 20 charts and each one of these isn't this huge aha for each person. But what I found is that one in particular, and when I do this with a couple, we do one for both partners because I found it so helpful for each partner to understand what refills the person that they spend their life with. And when you really know those things, I would encourage teams to do this and go, know what refills your team. And maybe even go, man, we want to invest one of your 40 hours a week or one of your 50 hours a week towards this life replenishment cycle. Because when you tell your, your staff and your employees or your family or your partner that, man, you matter and you being filled emotionally, intellectually, in all those ways, it just brings a different version of you to the table and it brings a different version of each other conversation. And I feel like all of a sudden we find ourselves going like, that's really who I was meant to be, as opposed to just this overworked, angry, bitter person that none of us really want to be. But for some reason, it felt like that was a thing we were supposed to do if we were busy and if we were productive. And I've never actually found somebody at the end of that say that they preferred it that way. And they've always said, man, I'm so glad I now have permission and some language around how I block and tackle my calendar to do that. We couldn't end today's conversation without talking about a tool that's become one of my favorite tools. I use it in a lot of different places. So I should also acknowledge one of the tools that we went through is the thinking wavelength. And actually we rolled that out and I, I took my, my team within our organization through the thinking wavelength. And it, for me, Ken, that was one of the aha moments of better understanding how I'm wired from a self-awareness perspective and better understanding why there were some opportunities for improvement within our team there were some gaps within our current team. So I guess Jim Collins, get the right people on the bus. There were a couple yeah. of vacant seats that I hadn't yet inventoried. So the thinking wavelength I thought was was awesome. So when we finally got that addressed here at the beginning of the year, I don't know if I've ever enjoyed my, jo- my job more than the decisions that we made after going through that thinking wavelength exercise. So thank mm. you. <laughs> thank you a lot. Yeah. And then also the four helpful lists that I've watched you take people that were completely paralyzed and work them to a place of clarity and action with nothing more than questions and facilitation and teasing out the answer that was deep, deep with inside them, but they couldn't get actionable around it. Yeah. No, to speak to the the first thing, the, the thinking wavelength is one of like seven of the charts that we go through that a life plan is probably 60 to 70% aimed at your vocation and that place where you invest so much of your time and energy. And a good 30% of it is really aimed at those other places, your own personal life and family and, and where you invest within the community and all those things. And it's that way intentionally because what we've really found is that we're not these people that like we just plug in in this one way and then we're completely detached. And so, so often for something to be going right or wrong in your life, it involves this full view of you. And so that's why even if it's a, even if somebody comes into the life plan, just going, man, I need to know whether or not I need to take this job or this job, or, or should I quit or should I do this? Or even if it's really vocationally focused, we've found so many things externally outside of the job actually play into that so much of the time. The thinking wavelength is one of the seven filters that we go through that are vocational filters that help us identify is this role, is this spot, is this thing the right spot for me? Is this, is this a good seat for me on the bus, as, as you kind of used? And what I've found is so often, if somebody even feels like they're way off, 
that they go, man, I must be four out of these seven. I must be wrong. And what actually happens is most of the time, all it takes is one. One of those filters being off can take a, a really successful man or woman and go, I cannot do this any longer. So those are fun self-awareness tools to be able to have and to be able to pass along to, like you said, you did to your team and others. And so that's a really great tool that I think you can always get out as you're evaluating opportunities. I feel similar about the four helpful lists. Four helpful lists, I, I kind of think of it personally as like a state of the union. It's a really good understanding of what's true about this very moment. And the reason why is because I think for so many of us, we think about things from the perspective of really two things of like, what's kind of good and what's bad. While it's a, that's a good amount of perspective to have, what we found with, with doing this particular exercise is we do explore one of the lists that we make is like, what's good? What's going really right right now in this particular environment and in a life plan, it's focused on your life. Sometimes I do this with an executive team and could be the culture within the executive team. Sometimes I do it with, the, with an entire organization. And so it could be, man, what's, what's right right now within this organization? And we, we want to write down what's right because we want to look at the things, what can we optimize and what can we actually say, man, this is good, but then there's room for this to actually to maybe even be better. And then we, when we get done with that list, we actually then open up the other three lists. And the other three is what's wrong, what's missing, and what's confused. And this is one of the really helpful places to have a facilitator because so many times it will be a situation where, for instance, if I'm doing this with a couple and, and they say, man, you know what's missing is we have no financial plan. And he's going, oh, uh, yeah, I totally have a financial plan. Well, it's not like she's right or, or he's right because who said it first, but what's missing is a unified financial plan that they're both on board with. And so all of a sudden, like that couple realizes right then, like, man, he had one, but she didn't really feel that way. And so we can write that down together. And so, so many things, there are things that are wrong in our life, but most of the time, what I've found is a few things are, are wrong, but most of the time they're actually either missing or they were confused for a really long period of time. And so if I'm, if I'm working with somebody and, and we're walking through some, some, some stuff so often or not, I mean, if I'm doing this with an organization, it might be like, oh, what's wrong? And it's like, it's distribution. And, and somebody else will go, yeah, I don't think it's distribution. I actually think it's this. And then we get to the end and all of a sudden, like what's confused is like, is Larry in charge of distribution now? Or is it Dale? Because we're kind of confused as to what happened in the last thing. And so whether or not it's with an organization or whether or not it's with a person, what I've found is because we're not introspective as how we're just wired, there's things in our lives that are just missing or the things that are confused that we just need to talk it out and we need to start talking about it. And so, and so somebody might say, man, you know, there's this or there's this, or I just don't have enough time to exercise. And I go, and you're just not time or you just don't prioritize it or you don't have a membership at the gym. And they're like, no, I have the membership. I just don't go. And no, don't write that. You know what it is? I don't even know if I care about going to the gym. I don't even know if I care about my health anymore. And all of a sudden somebody, like they're just talking it out. And we get to that point where somebody really goes, you know what it is? Like, I just, I'm not sure, you know, they get to that point where they have their own aha moment of how they feel, whether or not it's about their health or their finances or their vocation. And we don't do it just to make this gigantic list of everything that's negative. We do it really to be able to have a moment of clarity is to say, what's true about this moment? Because we don't want to just focus on the good and we don't want to just focus on the bad, but we do want to address the things that are confusing because so many people, 
if we can get clarity on the right question and we can get clarity on what's exactly missing, it gives us tools to be able to go forward in a way different than we did today. Ken, one of the nuances to the four helpful lists that you took me through that, that I particularly appreciated was as we walked through the four helpful lists, what's right, wrong, missing, and confused, and we identified them and, and we talked about whether they're red, green, or yellow, one of the things that you did, you took me through was to what extent do you, do you have control? Full control, partial control, no control? And what I didn't fully appreciate in that moment, and I've subsequently, as I've studied psychology, come to appreciate is kind of locus of control. To what extent do we control our own circumstances? And what I loved about that was you took things that were thorns in my side, things that I had kind of embraced without really understanding. I had embraced it somewhat of a, a victim narrative in my head, not really taking ownership of the situation like I wish I could have. And so just even being asked that question, to what extent do you control this fully, partially, or not at all? There wasn't a single thing in there that I had no control over, which then put me back in the driver's seat, giving me and empowering me to influence the outcomes of my own life. And I thought that was awesome. And I've loved being able to take other people through that process of, to what extent do you control this? Yeah, I mean, there's a part of our lives that I believe, not to overuse particular analogies, but I think so often we're thinking about like, it almost like the things we're thinking about in our life can kind of feel like an iceberg of like, we're just thinking about the very top, like what we can see and all this kind of stuff. But what, what I like about tools like Four Helpful Lists is we get through that initial above the iceberg stuff pretty quick. And then we go, what else? Tell me about, tell me about relationships. And so many times I'll have somebody just say, man, I have no close friendships. Or I'll have somebody that says, man, even though I'm 50, I still want a mentor and I don't have one. Or somebody will go and they'll dive into these things and we'll even like take a mentor, for example, we'll go, okay, you don't have a mentor right now. You know, your last mentor died, you're 55 and you're going, I think I still want to have a mentor at this side of my life. And I go, are you in control of that or not? And they'll go, I'm not in control of that. And I go, oh, who would be in control of that? And all of a sudden they're like, well, and I'm like, so if you told me that if you went and asked five people who they would recommend you to use as a mentor, you don't think you get one name? And all of a sudden they're like, well, I'd probably get all right, well, maybe I have some control over it. And I go, great. Can you just give me the name of the other person that's also in control of this? And they're like, well, you know, and if I said, now, if this was your son and I said about getting a job and I said, who's in control of him getting a job? You'd be like, okay, put full control. I get it. I get it. You know, and there's just those times with people where we think so much of life is out of our control. But when we actually dive in and clarify it and say it in a way that's the most accurate and articulate, there's a lot more that we have that we just, and, and so that's where, you know, as you said, I'm in control of it. And we then ask the question, how important is it? How important is this thing? Is this really important? Is this not? Because those are those things that when we can really identify it, and, and sometimes people go through somebody and they go, oh, it's actually not that important. And we go, great, well, well, then let's move on. But there's times where we just need to go through that process to fully understand where are you at right now? So we can focus on the right areas, dive into the things that give people the most clarity, so that they can have the clearest understanding of where they're going to invest their time and energy and talents into this next season. So Ken, before we kind of put a bow on today's conversation, I just kind of wanted to toss it out. Like you've, you've taken countless people through this process and there's probably different seasons of life where this seems to be more clarifying or helpful. So I, I guess who's this process right for? And I guess what would be kind of an initial first step to kick tires to explore if, if it is a, a win for somebody to, exp to go through this process? Yeah, it's a really good process 
for folks who are at that place where they are going, man, even some of the words we've used today, that idea of like, man, I want greater clarity about this next upcoming season of my life. People who are asking questions like, man, where do I invest? You know, like, I think I've had a lot of at bats, but I really want to know like, what, what's the thing I need to be doing in this next season that's really going to maximize as I take that next hill. So, I mean, there's a lot of folks that do it. You have to have gone through a number of like highs and lows and the great parts of life and the low parts of life. You know, I mean, I'd say the average person, you know, to do one of these younger than 35 is tricky because you just don't have enough, enough at bats often to be able to know just where you're really successful. And so there's a lot of times that I think, but past that point, I've done this with folks who are 72 and I've done it with folks kind of all across the spectrum. But oftentimes you, you need to be asking questions that are those things of like, man, how do I want to invest this next season of my, of my life? For some people, it's it's a fourth quarter. Other people, it's the last third. I've heard that coming up more often lately. But they're asking some of those questions about investing their time and energy. For some of them, it might be just vocationally. They're at a place where they're going, is this the right fit for me? Am I in the right spot? Because something just feels off. I don't actually feel like there's a the movie quote of Ben-Hur of like, man, when I, when I run, I feel the Lord's pleasure. Of just those people that go, I was made for this. I was made to do this thing. And I do believe that we've all been given like certain talents and gifts that just other people didn't get given. And so when we can really align and go, am I utilizing my full self? Am I really, am I taking the best part of me and applying it where I get to be vocationally every day? If those are questions, I think that's a great candidate for a life plan. It's not really good at big places of crisis, there was just, because you're kind of pulling out of normal life for two days and you're able to go in and just kind of do this time of planning, it's not a good thing if you're in a space of some big things just happened and some real tragedy happened. Like it needs to be happening in a time where you can invest a couple days just to be there and to really have perspective. So that's a big thing is you have to be in a season where you can actually take and look in those things and you can actually say, yeah, I'm going to take two days and do this. I think that the other big thing is people, I mentioned it earlier, people with that curse of like, man, there's so many things I could say yes to, and I need a good filter because what I'm afraid of is, is I don't know where, what to say yes or what to say no. And, and sometimes I even don't even feel like I've, I've got my values aligned out enough that I'm able to actually know, like, is this a value-based decision or not? I mean, I love that you guys were able to take the time and energy to go on that trip with your kids. That trip with your kids came out of the vision that you had for where your kids wanted to be 20 years from now. And so we said, man, if we want, if we want that type of a relationship for you and your wife with your kids 20 years from now, what do we need to be doing now to invest in that? And so that takes a certain amount of just headspace to say, man, I'm ready to sit down and ask some of those big questions. Cause I think I'm ready to, to begin to say, I want to live life with a little bit more intentionality and a little bit more clarity than just kind of day by day doing the calendar as a reactionary thing. So people are at that place where they're saying, I, I, I want to start playing more proactive with my calendar than just reactive. I think they're at a good season for this. Ken, I really just appreciate you taking the time to share some of these experiences, tools, insights with our community today. So I hope that our community today walked away with some different nuggets, some action items. Ken, what's a good way to get a hold of you? Certainly, we're able to play connector here, but uh, is there an easy way to get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to get a hold of me is just to, I think through you is one of the greatest ways of just a conduit. Yeah. 
I'm also one of those children of, of the digital age. So, I mean, one of the best ways you can certainly email me and you have all that information. One of the easiest ways to get a hold of me is actually just to text or call at 503-201-6855 and just have a conversation with every single person before we do a life plan. We sit and we grab coffee and we just talk. And so we just talk about this season of your life and we do some vetting and just see whether or not this process would be helpful. And so I would encourage if you're out there and you're going, man, I'm, I'm wondering if this would be a good candidate, just give me a call or send me a text and say, hey, I heard you on the podcast and I'd like to know whether or not this would be a good season for, for me to sit down and go through this. So 503-201-6855. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ken. All right. Talk soon. Ken, thank you so much for your time today. Personally, I've been impacted by your ideas and the insights that we talked about today. And I just really appreciated you taking the time to share them with our community. Today, more than ever, we all need a plan. Our organizations need a plan. Individually, we need a plan. Our families need a plan. But what I really appreciate about our conversation today is emphasizing the importance of perspective, spiraling the problem, maybe wasting an hour so we don't waste a year. If any of today's conversation provokes some interest or curiosity, don't hesitate to reach out. We'd welcome the opportunity to have a conversation with you to connect you to resources and explore what potential next step would be most additive to your life or your business. So until next time, be well.